You're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Holly. And it's a two drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are thrilled to be back with you again, and we have some updates to bring you up to speed on. Holly, do you want to tell them what we've been up to for the last... We moved our office in the middle of the summer, so there was a lot of, well, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? But we did lots of dumpster throwing away stuff. We, It was a very cleansing moment for us. Because we Our, went from how many thousands of square feet? We went from 2,000 square feet to about 600. <laughs> so if any of you have ever downsized or gone from your uh, childhood home into a college dorm, that's pretty much the equivalent of what we've done. Uh, but it was a good experience. We had been in our previous office for over five years, and now we're um, very nicely, I think, acquainted with our new space. And it's smaller, but I think we get to collaborate more, don't you think? I do too, because we just turn around and say, hey, look at this, instead (laughs) of get up and walk all the way across the room. It's kind of fun. It is. So that's been a big change, but a good change for Holly and me in our office. And, of course, staying busy with projects, more home remodels and and new additions, exciting, big, complicated ones. That's always fun. We like that. Before we get going on our topic today, I wanted to thank our new sponsor, Renlita Custom Opening Solutions. Holly and I are really excited to have Renlita on board with the podcast. And what we're really excited about is that it is a fully custom door company that makes the coolest vertical opening doors. So these can be used inside as well as outside. If you've got a big commercial projects, they're fantastic for interior space management. Um, Or if you've got like, say, maybe you're working on a restaurant project or really cool patio design, they're perfect for opening up, creating amazing views for indoor outdoor spaces. And one of the things that we really love about this company is that they are entirely custom. So Renlita's people are really on the ball with working closely with architects and contractors to make sure that everything comes out perfectly. So go check out their website, renlitausa.com forward slash A-H-H. One of the things that inspired the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is designing inside, outside, and upside down, is that I got to take a trip to Hawaii this summer. The thing that I noticed in Hawaii was how different the homes were there compared to what we have here in Dallas, Texas. And Holly and I have talked about this a whole bunch of different times, but as you can expect, wherever you might travel, whether in your country or here in the States, you will see different ways that people live and different ways that they design their homes. We're fortunate here in Dallas to have lots of beautiful architectural styles, many that are rooted in classical influence. So we might have some American colonials or Georgian style or uh, Spanish style or um, French and English and all sorts of influences that have classical roots. And what I noticed in, in Hawaii was that the houses were much more responsive to the view that was available or the 
prevailing winds or the sun rays of which way the sun was, you know, would be coming into their rooms. And so it was a totally different approach to design. So I thought that might be a fun topic for us to discuss today is how do you approach designing a home based on where you're designing it? Well, and it's not just where you're designing it, although that has a lot to do with it. It's what style do you like? And here in Dallas, we've got everything from the traditional styles to the contemporary. And the contemporary styles are more akin to sort of the way they do things out in Hawaii, where they open things up. A lot of the traditional styles, believe it or not, have windows set in certain patterns and openings set in certain patterns because everything was ruled by the size of the glass that they could get way back when. And so the windows are smaller, the views are not as predominant, and they were also trying to protect themselves from the elements and provide for ventilation because there wasn't any air conditioning long, long time ago when a lot of those styles were invented. And so when you say it's traditional style, it's truly traditional. It's based on the old traditions. And so if you like that style, then typically you're ruled by in design with a whole lot of different proportions and by the spacing of the windows and doors and what the outside of the house looks like. And then you make the inside to work with what the predetermined outside looks like. So it's a whole different way of approaching the design of a house. Right. So a lot of times you'll end up with a really large window that you wouldn't typically put in a bathroom, for example, but you, because of the way the floor plan has worked out, you might have to accommodate that big window in a bathroom if you can't make it work a different way. Well, the other thing you might have is that a window may be off center in the wall of a room. If it were something that were a little bit looser in its style, you'd be able to center a window on the inside or put it where the view was because you might have a great view to a beautiful maple tree that's planted right outside. And you want to feature that, but with a traditional style, it might be rigid enough that what you're going to be looking at is just a fence instead of the beautiful tree. Right, so this kind of outside-in design is really best suited or typically chosen when you want a particular look on the front elevation, the front face of the house, or could wrap around to the sides, but typically it's what the front looks like. And then usually the back is a little bit more up for discussion as far as the way that it relates to your backyard. And so we see a little bit more of loosening of style back there. Some of the, the really strictly traditional that, um, that I've worked on here in Dallas, this style is very predominant on all four sides. Right. And then it also translates into, well, what does the backyard look like? And if it's a formal style, oftentimes the backyard is very formal. So um, that can lead to windows being placed to be able to capture views of the swimming pool, or there might be a pool cabana in the back that is a really beautiful, you know, outbuilding that you want to capture views to. So, but then in contrast, if you're designing from the inside out and really wanting to capture views, you might have views, um, for example, I grew up in Park City, Utah, which is up in the Wasatch Mountains. So pretty much anywhere you build there, you will have 
potentially the option of capturing views of the beautiful mountains and the trees. So those types of homes typically have huge windows, sometimes in very weird shapes, but they follow the roof line. They open up as much glass as possible, one, to get in the radiant solar warmth because it is so cold up there in the winter, but then also just to, to capture those beautiful mountain views. So and from when you're designing from the inside out, you really place the rooms where you want to be able to relate to those outside views and features of your site more so than necessarily deciding what the outside is going to look like first, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Being able to take advantage of having sort of an, an outside space that becomes an outdoor living area that's right next to a major indoor living area. Frequently now we're having people request that we put these folding doors, glass folding doors that will just completely open up a wall. That's generally a great design feature, maybe in California. In Texas, it's a little tougher because once you open up your house, then you have all of the Texas critters that seem to love our climate Um, everything from mosquitoes and different varieties of bugs to, I had a snake on my back porch a couple of weeks ago, and I would have hated to invite him into the house because I don't know how would I would have gotten him out. (laughs) Much to the dismay of your dogs. Yes, my dogs were not happy with that (laughs) snake being on my property. Yikes. But so you have to think about that, too, because you open up your house and it works great for a party. But then you have to live with trying to get rid of all the things that come in with that beautiful outside air. Well, and a lot of this really has its beginnings in the concept of vernacular architecture. And all of the vernacular styles that you see that were created before we had mechanical air conditioning, we really had to relate to, I mean, we we had to build for the climate so that we could survive the cold or the heat or the humidity. And so I still remember my classes in school when I would study these vernacular styles and realize that the homes that were built in Arizona and New Mexico, which are high desert, very, very dry, and can get very cold in the winter, but bright and sunny during the day, those types of buildings were better suited to be really heavy, massive, thick walls so that they could take advantage of the thermal mass, you know, would heat up during the day and warm the house at night versus a house in Houston, Texas, that is dealing with humidity all year round. They can't have that kind of latent heat exposure because if they're holding heat during the day and bringing it back in during the night, I mean, you would be hot all the time. Yeah, because it just doesn't <laughs> cool off at night because no. of the humidity. Right. So the whole point of building a, or the, the whole idea behind a vernacular structure in Houston is keep it light and airy and keep that air flowing. So big windows, extra shading, keep the sun off the structure so you do not heat it, and then let that air flow and cool your house down at night. 
which is the exact opposite of what you would find in a desert climate. So I just, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, and a lot of the houses of out, out in Hawaii, because they have such wonderful breezes that just blow and blow and blow. Yeah, right off It's the wonderful to just open it up and let the breeze blow through. And so it gets to be what you think of as being a, an expanded tropical hut where everything just blows right through. And it's a great way to live, but you also get uh, rain blowing in. And so everything, all the materials have to be suited for that moisture-laden climate that you have. Yes. Well, one of the, the other trips we took this summer was to San Francisco. And it just made me laugh as we were driving. We had an Uber from the airport to our hotel in downtown uh, in the city. And... I f it was feeling a little bit warm. And so my instinct was to ask the driver, could you turn the air conditioning up a little bit? And I asked, I don't know if I asked or if he realized it was a little bit warm, but he put his window down. <laughs> I was like, what is he doing? It's July. You don't put your window down. And I was like, oh, wait, we're in San Francisco. It's like <laughs> 60 degrees. And it's a little bit different. They actually roll their windows down and use natural ventilation. It just cracked me up at that. Oh, yeah, we're not in Texas anymore. <laughs> like You can actually roll your window down. That's okay. And I had to remember that as well when, when I visited my family in Park City that in Utah. And they crank open the windows during, you know, in, in the evening to, to get, the breeze, to get the breeze and to blow. They don't have air conditioning. Yeah. Which, you know, to us when we live 99% of the year right here in Texas, I mean, we've got our air blowing all year round. So to live somewhere where you adjust your windows in order to control your climate instead of hitting a button on a thermostat. Yeah, I remember back when I was a student and my car died and I had to get a new car and I got a little yellow Honda and it was brand new, but I couldn't afford the air conditioning option. Oh, it was an option. It was an option back then. <laughs> and this was a long time ago, folks. <laughs> And so I had this little Honda without air conditioning in it. In the summertime, if the windows were up, it was very hot. But then when you rolled the windows down, it was like a convection oven instead of just an oven. <laughs> because then you had all of the hot air off of the freeways blowing across you instead of just the stale hot air that was in the car. Right. So it was jumping from the frying pan into the fire. And that lasted, I saved every penny I had till I could afford the 500 bucks to have them put the air conditioner in. And that was so nice to have that. Yeah. It's pretty much like sitting in front of a hairdryer on yeah. full blast. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. My my air conditioner in my car went out for about a week this summer, and it was absolutely it was. miserable. But back so. to our subject. We digress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes, I mean, climate control and personal comfort really rules everything we do and really tells us a lot about what kind of house we need to design. Well, it's also a lot of personal style, too, because some of the traditional houses that you design from the outside, you get the proportions and what the outside shell of the house looks like. And then you start working on the inside. And yes, you can open it up and have fewer walls. But if you want to be true to the form, then you're going to have individual rooms rather than, say, great big spaces that flow into each other, or even small spaces that flow into each other. 
it's going to be more defined by rectilinear uh, room shapes with doors in between instead of blowing out walls and, and opening up spaces. It seems that a lot of the, the projects that we're doing currently, people buy a house, they say, well, can we remove this center wall that runs all the way down that divides the house into two halves? You know, and this half over here has the living room, dining room, and then there's the back part with the kitchen. We just want to take it all out so it's just one great big space. Well, yes, we can do that. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's some structural shenanigans uh, that are involved in doing that in order to support everything. But that isn't how that house was originally designed. And so in order to put contemporary spaces into a traditional house, you still have to deal with the traditional placement of the windows and doors and make that work for the more contemporary spaces that you have on the inside, the more free-flowing. So sometimes free-flowing doesn't work really well with static spacing with windows and doors. So yeah. you have to think about all that when you're, when you're renovating a house and redesigning the way the spaces are being used. Yeah, we have dealt with that quite a few times where we'll work with a house that's in a neighborhood where the style of the neighborhood has been established, whether it's a historic neighborhood and they've got lots of protective overlays and things so that you can't come in and tear something down and do something really contemporary. So if we have a, a traditional exterior, but our client is, say, a big art collector and they want to change the layout so that they have big, wonderful open walls for their art, that can kind of be in conflict with each other. So we it takes some creativity to make that work and not ruin the inside of the house. Because if you walk, if you come from the, you know, the front walk up to the front porch and you have this sense of a tr traditional outside, and then you step in and all of a sudden you're in a completely different house, it's a little jarring. And you have to kind of ease that transition, I think. So as you can tell, one of the really important things about designing, whether you're designing inside or outside or upside down, is really the windows play a huge part. So we wanted to give you just a couple quick minutes of home design tips on choosing windows, whether you're replacing your current windows or you have the opportunity to design a new home and you have to choose windows. Because really, honestly, we don't think about windows much unless you actually have to go pick them out. And then it is overwhelming. Oh, there are so many choices now. Yeah. So there's different choices in the materials of what the, of what the windows are made out of. And then there's also different choices in how the windows operate. So we're going to give you just kind of a high overview just to make you familiar with what's even available and then maybe what might fall into a budget option, lower costs, sort of the middle of the road, and then your higher cost and more luxury options um, just so you can be a little bit better informed. There are three basic materials that windows are made out of, and then there are sort of hybrids. Well, maybe there are four basic materials now. You start off with vinyl windows that are basically what, you know, they're a plastic window and they are the least expensive window to use. And typically the, what we call the profiles, but the width of the frames and everything are a little bit heavier because the vinyl isn't as strong as some of the other materials. So there has to be more of it in order to 
keep the window uh, holding its shape for a long period of time. And then there are metal windows. A lot of people have tried to get away from metal windows because they sweat. In the winter time, when it's cold outside, you get moisture that condensates on the inside and you've got water running down. This is something that really happened a lot with the steel windows that were used back in the 50s. But now they have designed metal windows that have what you call a thermal break in them. So the metal that's on the outside is not touching the metal on the inside. And so that has conquered the sweating and dripping problem, the condensate. So then now, the, now you can get steel or aluminum, or right? Both very typical, right? And you can options. get them in different colors. You can get them in bronze and black, and you can get them uh, with baked enamel colors of various types, depending upon the brand. And you can get a thinner profile. Yes. So if you're looking for that thinner, more contemporary look, the aluminum uh, or steel windows are really beautiful. Right. And the aluminum will last longer than the steel because no matter what you do to it, steel eventually will rust, especially if you nick the paint surface. Then you get to a sort of, I guess you call them composites, but they make them out of fiberglass or some sort of wood that's got resins in it. And so it's almost like they're molded windows. And those are sort of the next step up uh, because they won't rot and they won't fade. And they're a lighter weight and they're less expensive than wood. And then you get to the wood windows. And wood windows, you you can get the ones that companies sell already pre-made that can usually have a vinyl or a metal exterior to protect them from the elements and then have wood on the inside. Then you can get wood windows that are wood on the outside, wood on the inside, and then you can also get custom windows, which are the most expensive type. Uh, Custom wood windows are ones that if you've got special sized openings that are bigger than companies typically will make windows, then you'll get into the custom range and then your price goes up quite a bit. But all windows now, because of the energy codes, have to have special ratings with both the glass as well, because of uh, the hot and cold transfer as well as solar transfer. So you don't get a lot of what they call heat gain from the sun coming inside. And then they also rate the windows by how much they leak. Because typically, since windows have so many joints in them, there would be air that leaks through all of those joints and around the frame. But now they've got ratings for the windows that the manufacturers have to meet to be able to even sell the windows. Uh, that have made the windows so that they don't leak as much. And so then the key is just making sure that you insulate between the frame of the window and the frame of the wood framing in your house uh, so that that isn't a path for air leakage. Uh, But there's quite a few different types out there on the market. Well, so once you've decided what you want your windows to be made out of, the next decision is how do you want them to operate? So you may be familiar with the term double hung or single hung, 
And those are going to be the windows that are, usually they look like two squares stacked on top of each other. So there's one or two movable pieces, and they typically unlatch and then slide up and down so that you have the option of having the opening at the bottom or the top or both. And then that allows you to have a little bit more control over your ventilation, um, as well as being able to say, for example, in a bedroom, you need to be able to get out and those offer a nice big area typically for egress. And single hung means that only the bottom portion will move up. And double hung means that the bottom will move up and the top piece or the top sash will move down Right. also. And the single hung are the least expensive because there's only one section that moves and the double hung, the price goes up. And then another type that you might be interested in is called casement. And the casement windows are the ones that you may have seen with a hand crank down at the bottom. And then they've got locking latches on the side of the window. So it hinges on one side and locks on the other. And so it's going to actually open outwards like a swinging door. So there are advantages to that because then you have uninterrupted glass from top to bottom. It just offers another look, different look for the Yeah, it's a vertical orientation. And some houses, like French houses, a lot of times had those type of windows. And so if you're doing a style, a particular style, you may want a casement rather than a double hung. And contemporary houses, a lot of times will use casements just because of the vertical proportions of the windows. Right, exactly. If you don't need your window to open you would choose a window called fixed. And that just means that it's not going to move, it's not going to open, and all you have is just the glass, and it literally is fixed to the frame. Those are probably the least expensive, and they, they're great in certain places where you don't feel like you need to be able to open them, and then you've got nice clear glass and nothing really to interrupt it. Yeah, but the hitch there is that the building codes mandate that if you have a bedroom or a room that could be considered to be a bedroom, that every bedroom has to have a window that operates and that is a certain size, minimum size, so that if you have a fire or some reason why you have to get out of that room, that you can get out. You have to be real careful about what type of window you use where and what size it has to be, because you have to make sure that you meet that minimum size requirement for getting out of the room. Yeah, that makes it tricky if you decide to to finish out your basement. And I know a lot of people think it's a great idea to put extra bedrooms down in a basement, but if you can't get a big enough window into that basement, then it's technically not safe, not code, uh, not up to code to be considered a bedroom. So keep that in mind. Um, a, a type of window that you might see in a basement is called an awning window, which is very similar to a casement, but it's basically turned on its side. So the hinge part of the window is at the top, and then it latches at the bottom, and then it kind of swings out, kind of like a, an old-fashioned garage door that would lift up. I'm dating myself, aren't I? Old, old-fashioned garage door. <laughs> well, we had awning windows in my elementary school because yeah. we didn't have air conditioning. Yeah, we did too. And so... There was always this lower row of windows all the way yeah. across the room that would open up, and yeah. then they'd turn the fans on, 
and everybody would want to go sit by the window so that you could <laughs> breathe. So you could get the moving air. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll, I'll mention another type that we don't use very often, but it is an option um, in certain situations, and it's called a slider. And it's basically exactly what it's talking about. It's kind of like sliding glass doors like you would expect to see on a patio or something like that. They're less expensive than some of these other options, and they're good if you, say, in a bathroom, you know, in a shower or something. And a lot of times you'll see a long window that's not very tall and they'll make it a slider because you can't lift it up and you don't want to have a crank and there are certain situations where a slider makes sense. Yeah I just installed them in a in a client's kitchen and they wanted a great big wide opening at the sink but didn't want to have that bar going across right where their eyes were going to be. So we decided instead of putting in more expensive casements we just put in some sliders. Yeah. And it worked great. So I hope that helps kind of clear up some of the confusion over windows. There, there really are a lot of options. Holly and I are here to answer questions. If you find yourself getting ready to renovate and you just need a little bit of help, we are happy to help with picking windows and all sorts of things. So we could probably keep talking about this for hours because we just love talking about design. But we probably need to wrap it up and um, get on to actually designing, right? Right. <laughs> So if you find yourself in Dallas, we would love to meet you in person. We meet typically the third Wednesday of each month at the Architecture Happy Hour networking group. And so you can find us on meetup.com. Please feel free to check us out there. If you're local to the area, we'd love to get to know you. And of course, find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those fun social places. Holly and I get a kick out of hearing from our listeners. So if you have listened to a recent episode that really kind of resonated with you, please drop us a line. You can find our contact information in the show notes that goes along with this episode and find us on our website at hpdarch.com. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.